today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. We have had a great number of discussions over the last couple of months, well, frankly, over the last number of years, about long-term care facilities here in the province of Ontario. Uh, we've been raising the flags about this for quite some time. Uh, as we said on the program a, a number of times in the last couple of months, uh, COVID-19 did not create the crisis in long-term care facilities. It exposed it. Uh, and sadly, not a whole lot of people were paying much attention to it. But uh, the Premier seems to be paying attention to it. And uh, during his daily briefing yesterday, well, he threw a couple of barbs out. You know, I've been taking bullets every day um, for the union uh, up here. And, uh, you know, when you said they were doing, or not you, but when I've been asked about, uh, they were doing telephone calls for inspections. Well, uh, the, the, the truth of the matter is, they were refusing to go into these homes. Uh, so the back and forth continues. There's a lot of finger pointing going on by the Premier, which uh, creates a great deal of consternation for those of us that want to see some positive action out of all that's going on here. Joining us to talk about this is uh, Jerry Dias. Jerry, of course, is the president of Unifor, the union representing uh, many of the people in these facilities. Uh, Jerry, busy, busy time for you. Thanks so much for taking a few minutes with us today. The pleasure is always mine. This is an important debate. So, well, I, I listened to that yesterday, Jerry. I didn't know that the premier had your backs on this. I mean, that's that's news no, to me. This, this, he's actually talking about the Ontario Public Service Employees yeah. Union. He was talking. Yeah. About, they have the inspectors. I don't have any inspectors. I've got, you know, PSWs, dietary people that clean the rooms. I, I have registered practical nurses, so I have a lot of the, you know, uh, the, the the workers that are right on the ground. So it's a, it's a different bailiwick for me. Let me ask you something, though. Like I say, we've had discussions about this, and Jerry, you know there have been some tragic situations even here in the Hamilton area in some of these facilities yep. over the last number of years. And everybody gets in a big furor when that happens, and it dies down after about two or three weeks, and not a whole lot gets done. Is it going to be different this time? Absolutely. Look, this brings me back to the days of Walkerton. This brings me back to yep. the mid-'90s. Uh, when uh, the Harris government uh, re- released all kinds of water inspectors, and then we saw what happened. Um, fast forward 25 years later, he also is the one that made a lot of changes that deregulate uh, the long-term care facilities. Um, he, he's the one that actually reduced the, the mandate for the amount of workers per residence. And so here we are. So this is, uh, this is Walkerton on steroids. So no- nobody can get away with it this time. The bottom line is this is not just uh you know a flash in the pan that people have died and one can argue quite easily that many more people died than they would have than, than would have if we would have had decent regulations in place which would have demanded the type of care uh, that our seniors deserve and have earned well and therein lies the frustration and you know as we've talked to some of the workers that are in your union that, that are doing and i mean this respectfully the grunt work in these facilities uh, and they talk about the working conditions, and they're, they're dreadful in many of these places, Jerry. I mean, uh, you know, even if you go in there to visit a loved one, and we've all had occasion to do that, I'm sure, from one time to another, uh, you know, the smell of urine and feces and, and, and dirty floors, the places are understaffed, the staff are underpaid, uh, and it just it's one problem after another that gets exacerbated, and, and it's no matter how much you talk about this and complain about it, nobody seems to want to do a whole lot about it. You know, you, we did a thing that was called the six-minute challenge. We did it in 2017 to elevate the plight of the conditions in long-term care facilities because a typical PSW has six minutes in the morning to get a resident out of bed, bathroom, cleaned up, brush their teeth, comb their hair, clean them the best they can, and at the breakfast table. Six minutes. 
So we did the six-minute challenge. We challenged everybody to do it. I, I got about halfway through my shave. But that's if everybody's at work, and we know that never happens. So under normal circumstances, it would be one PSW for 12 residents, but every day it's about one PSW for 16 and 18. And we know on the afternoon shift, it's about one in 30, and on the midnight shift, it's about one in 40. And that's all because of a deregulation. That's all because of a move from profit versus people. And people can argue, well, you know, Jerry, there's problems in, in, in public homes as well, and that is correct. But by and large, there's a lot more workers in not-for-profit homes and for-profit homes, and the numbers are glaring they're right in your face. So I don't see people walking away from this. This will be an election issue, and governments that do not fix this will, be, uh, will not be in power. People are just furious about what's happening here. Well, I know that there's going to be a debate, whether the Premier wants it or not, about private versus public. And you're right, studies have been done that indicate that the incidence of death in situations like this, the incidence of spread of, of diseases uh, in, 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 the, in the privately owned homes, is, is, is it's higher. I don't know about significantly higher. Cause I've 75 seen percent, 25. Yeah, so, you know, there, there's, there's, that's got to be part of the discussion here, whether they like it or not. Well, it has to be. I mean, it, it, forever, all we always, all we get told is, look, uh, government can't do a thing. Government can't even tie their shoes. You got to leave it to the private sector. It's got to be the private sector. We're inundated with, you know, about how governments are fraught with danger and can't be, can't do anything. But the private sector, that's the ticket for freedom, and that's how we get things done well. Well, really, really, the bottom line is we live in a society of greed. And as long as the long-term care facilities are based on a business model of greed, we're going to have people dying needlessly. And it isn't any more complicated than that. Uh, look, Premier Mike Harris is the one that deregulated it uh, back in 1995. Today, he sits on the chair. He's the chairman of the board at Chartwell, pulling in about a quarter of a million bucks a year. And he has millions of dollars worth of shares. So, you know, he deregulated it. and Now he's benefiting from the system and the structure that he created. He should be ashamed of himself, frankly. Well, I, I'm going to take a step back further. I know you know this history, but it's something I brought up on the show the other day, and I, I, think, I think, again, if I ever get a chance to talk to the Premier, I had him on the show a few weeks ago about this, but uh, we've got to have a more fulsome discussion about this uh, because there's always this, well, it's actually their responsibility. This is a provincial responsibility. And the reason for that, as you know historically, is because when they redesigned the, the, the Canada Health Act back in 1984, they did not include this facility Correct. in there. Uh, they are called nursing homes then. And basically why is because people that went there usually live for a few months and sadly would pass away. Uh, but we are living longer now. Uh, there's more of us than there were 25, 30 years ago. Uh, why don't you? The fact that it's not part of the Canada Health Act now doesn't mean it can't be. I mean, that's that's perfectly within the purview of government to say, you know what, we need to sit down and reevaluate this. Where's that discussion? Seniors pay taxes their entire life, their entire life, their entire working life. At a time when they need government the most, they ought not to be betrayed. You're right. This is a change of the Canada Health Act. Uh, this should fall right under the same uh, jurisdiction as our universal health care. To me, it's an extension. One is an extension of another. Um, our seniors built this country. We deserve to. We, the, the only way that we can show our everlasting respect and gratitude is by ensuring we take care of them. Um, it, this is a, it, it's a, it's a fix. People keep talking about being an expensive fix. Maybe. Uh, but I think about some of the corporate tax breaks we've given in the billions of dollars. Ultimately, it's about choices. 
and I vote to take care of our seniors. My mother spent the last two years of her life in Hillsdale Manor in Oshawa. She had dementia, and she was taken care of incredibly. There is no way she was so frail towards the end of her life that not a chance she would have survived this. My father's 90 years old, still living at home, and we're talking about assisting living, and we're talking about a whole host of things because, as you know, he's he's you know he's he he still gets by, he gets by quite well. But what's next? And I know that Leonard Rodriguez, my member, who who took care of people in assisted living, was our first member to die from COVID nineteen. So my father's sitting there going, "Hey, you know what? I'll stop. I'll roll the dice and stay at home, and I'll continue to do what I can." So people are nervous, and they shouldn't be. Uh, why? Because, you know, the governments need to step up. This needs to be an extension of our universal health care. We need to put uh, more boots on the ground in these, in these homes, and we need to provide the type of care that our, that our seniors respect and demand. Yeah, but you've got to put things in proper perspective. I mean, when it was discovered, I, 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 you've known this for quite some time, but, you know, when this whole thing started and the pandemic started to spread through a number of these facilities, it's, well, you know why? It's because these staff are working two or three positions at once. You know, they're going from one place. It's because they're not getting paid enough. Correct. <laughs> for God's sakes, they've got bills to pay. You got it. That's the problem here. We've been arguing. We've been arguing for four hours per day of care per residence, and everybody just sticks their fingers in their ears. We've raised this with every level of governments, and we've been raising this for decades, four hours a day. That means that they would have to staff the facilities uh, uh, appropriately in order to provide that level of care. But you're right. What they do is the majority of workers are all part-time, non-standard, casual. Why? So that they don't have to provide benefits. And over and above that, the majority of the workers are non-union. They get paid a little over minimum wage. Uh, those in a unionized environment get paid considerably better, but still, in my opinion, not even close to what they deserve. So as a result of that, in order to make ends meet, workers are ha- working in two, three homes. And all of a sudden, the government goes, oh, my God, it's part of the problem. They're bringing the pandemic from facilities to facilities. Well, no, no guff. We've known all of this. It's a part of the structure. It's a part of the structure for greed, not paying people well, sticking the money into the shareholders' pockets. And that is a broken system, and I think everybody knows that now. Do you have any idea how many thousands of PSWs we needed during this crisis, but we're no longer in the industry because they said, you know what, this is outrageous. For the low pay that I get, the pressure that I'm under, the fact that we're working short every day because people aren't showing up, and I'm not even getting breaks, not getting lunches, I'm, I'm, I'm working like nonstop. You know what, it's not worth it. I'm, I'm leaving the industry, and that's what we ended up happening. We didn't give the workers the respect that they deserve, and look at the look at the situation we're in today. Well, this quagmire that's been created because of some of the the, the deregulation, and we've talked about that historically. Uh, but the PSWs, uh, even nurses. I mean, the fact that only one nurse per per institution. I mean, yep. that's craziness. Uh, and 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 by the way, there's even a shortage there because people that are going into nursing are saying, "I don't want to work there. I can go to the hospital, and make a lot more money, and it's it's hard work, but it's it's not like that for heaven's sakes." Uh, you can't recruit people, Jerry, as long as they're going have these kind of working conditions absolutely i mean but there will be a major a major public study uh when this is done because you know uh, what people today are going to have to see who they depended on during this pandemic and so many of those workers make so little pay I mean, we keep talking about the gig economy and the transformation of, of Canada's economy uh, away from manufacturing and getting on with the 21st century. But yet, who did we depend on uh, when the pandemic hit? We depended on those same manufacturing 
um, sector uh, uh, companies and workers in order to start to build the personal protective equipment we need because we outsourced our safety. But if you look at the jobs and the people we're depending on, it's healthcare workers, it's grocery store workers, it's transit drivers, it's women that work in shelters, it's airline workers. It's a lot of workers that aren't exactly at the top of the food chain when it comes to economic enumeration, um, but yet they're the ones that are saving us today. So, you know, it, w- there has to be a real rethink about essential jobs relating to essential pay. You probably have a clip of this on your phone. I'm sure you do, because uh, uh, he said this more than once during these daily briefings, because uh, he's talked about long-term care, and we got to get this fixed, and he's ordering this commission, which I still don't think is, is, is what, what needs to be done. I think there's something that has to be done a lot faster than that. But anyway, he says, he, whatever it costs, and that was the phrase, Jerry, and I know you heard this more than once, yep. whatever yep. it costs. How do you hold his feet to the fire on that? Because you know damn well that you know this will this will die down as all the other ones have, and they're going to start doing budgets again pretty soon, as every government does, yeah. and they're going to start looking to okay, we got to reduce the bottom line, and you know what they're going to look at right off the bat. Yep. Oh, I do. I mean, he's he, he first uh, the premier first said whatever it costs, and then he's been saying whatever it costs, and we need assistance from the federal government. So. Uh, yeah, so he's he's switching gears fairly well. Look, this is going to have to be a country solution. So I believe the federal government and pro- the provincial governments are going to have to be a part of the solution. Ultimately, nobody will tolerate excuses. There's no level of government, I will argue, that can point the fingers, fingers and say, it's their jurisdiction. It's their fault. I mean, uh, the prime minister is very careful to say that the um, that the health care file, as it relates to long term care facilities, is in the provincial jurisdiction. But ultimately, people aren't going to buy any of that either. People want solutions. They don't want excuses. They don't want finger pointing. Uh, they want to make sure that this never happens again. And everybody is an, is incumbent to ensure that happens. Jerry, in all the years you've been doing this, uh, I, I understand that. Okay, that's private. That's private. This is province. This is federal. If they sat down and said, look, we want to contribute more, uh, we want to put more money into this, let's partner on this, I don't know there's a premier anywhere in this country that would say, no, we don't want to play ball with you. No, uh, I, I think everybody would play uh, would, would play, uh, would play ball. I mean, the only one that I question would be Stephen McNeil in Nova Scotia. I don't think he gets it um, at all. Yeah, today he's even talking about, um, you know, the sick days for the essential workers, whether or not they, they should get it. I mean, he's he's got to get his head out from from under the rock but most others i think would be there well hopefully that's a discussion that they're going to have uh, like you say this just because it's been this way since 1984 doesn't mean it has to be this way going forward and I you're right I, it's not one provincial government that's going to fix this this is a national problem and it's going to take some dedication by everybody and and we but you know what and that's the whole thing i was just talking about this on the program yesterday uh, there's a responsibility here for, for you, me, and everybody else, too, yep. because we're the ones that hold government's feet to the fire on this. I mean, though they've made a promise they're going to fix this thing. If we let them off the hook, they'll slither off the hook, and it won't get done. I can assure you, we will not be letting them off the hook. We've been on this for years. Um, we've been talking about it for years, and we're not going away. The bottom line is, is that this is going to be an election issue, and everybody knows that. Uh, Walkerton was an election issue. This crisis will be an election issue. People don't want to be on the wrong side of this debate. Excuses won't fly.
Jerry, we'll stay in touch. Uh, continue good luck with this. And, and again, our thanks to uh, all of your, uh, your workers that are doing such a great job day in and day out in these facilities. And hopefully we can make it better for all of them. Thanks again for this today. I appreciate your comments. They're doing incredible work, and we're so proud. Thank I you. Betcha. Thanks, Jerry. Jerry Dice, of course, president of Unifor. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.